Hello, and welcome to Season 4 of For the Love of Duluth podcast. My name is Tom Jamison. I am a former lawyer who moved to Duluth about seven years ago after I bought a business here called Lake Superior Medical Equipment, hanging up my lawyer hat after 25 years. Joining me as co-host of this podcast is a lifelong Duluthian, a registered nurse, and the marketing director for Lake Superior Medical Equipment, Yvonne Myers. So why did we start a podcast called For the Love of Duluth? Because we love this town and the interesting people, places, and experiences that we continue to discover here. If you already live in Duluth, we hope this podcast will teach you things you never knew before about the place we call home. If you are planning to visit Duluth, we hope this podcast can act as a tour guide of sorts, giving you an inside look at the remarkable people, places, and things that make up our unique city. Duluth is a star of the show, and our guests help it shine even brighter. We hope you love this podcast as much as we love the city it's named for. This is Season 4 of For the Love of Duluth. Bluegrass has a long and storied history dating back to the 1940s when it was developed in the Appalachian region of the United States. Throughout the near century, since the genre burst onto the music scene, it has gained fans far and wide, marked with instruments like the banjo, mandolin, and string bass. You might even hear a little harmonica, too. If you've ever been in the crowd for a bluegrass show, you already know that the energy is high and the melodies are even better, with the bands typically consisting of at least three performers and up to seven. Together, these musicians blend blues, country, and even traditions of the English, Irish, and Scottish for an unmistakable and unforgettable sound. We are lucky enough to have a handful of bluegrass bands hailing from right here in Duluth, including the world-famous Trampled by Turtles, who today sell out venues all over the country. Former podcast guests Charlie Parr is another well-known artist with fans far outside the city limits and whose music, while predominantly bluegrass, transcends many other genres as well. As of late, there's a new bluegrass band making quite the name for themselves in the Northland, which is music to our ears. The band is Trace Osos, or the Three Bears in English. The trio formed in 2022, made up of Nicholas Klee, Ian Qualley, and Tim Luke. Together, this trio has all the makings of an epic bluegrass band, amazing harmonies, great instrumentation, and fantastic songs. Catching them in person means you're in for a treat, especially when they throw in an occasional gospel hem into their set list. If it seems like these three are a match made in musical heaven, that's because they came together in a truly serendipitous way. After Tim moved back to Duluth in 2012, he joined a local band called Black River Review on the banjo. Thanks to Ian, who he'd known since 1996 and who also joined the band a year prior, these two teamed up with Nicholas, who they met through music circles in the area, and a trio for the ages was born, bonding over bluegrass, barbecuing, and fishing. Tim Lutgeb is here today to dive deeper into the journey of the band he helped bring to life, a Minnesota native who first moved to Duluth with his family in 1990, he has always had a 
passion for music, earning his B.A. in music business from McNally Smith College of Music in St. Paul. After graduating, he traveled all over as a tour manager and audio engineer for more than a decade before returning to the Northland in 2012, missing his family and the Great Lake like so many do. Here to talk about this journey and trace Osos is Tim Lutgib. Tim, thanks for being here today. We like to start at the very beginning, Tim, the day you were born in Minneapolis. Can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing? Yeah, October 30th, 1987, right after the Twins won the World Series. Oh, I remember. I remember that well. I had my Homer Hank. I still think I've got a Homer Hanky from that. I remember it uh, vividly. That was uh, that was amazing. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Uh, so uh, in 1987, now you moved in, and that was in Minneapolis, right? We're about uh, yeah, to Minneapolis. St. Paul, my, my parents are both kind of from the Highland Park neighborhood. Oh, sure. And uh, my entire extended family is still down, you know, down in St. Paul, Minneapolis. And so, you know, I think the question on here is when you moved to Duluth in 1990, what was your first impression while I was three years old? So, yeah. I uh, didn't have a, <laughs> don't really have a first impression as a three-year-old in Duluth. Yeah. So what, uh, what brought your family to Duluth? Uh, my dad had an opportunity to open up an office in an electrical mechanical engineering firm in Duluth. Oh, cool. Cool. My family moved on up. Yeah. All right. To, uh, to not the east side like the Jeffersons, but to, uh, to uh, the, the shores of, uh, of the Great Lake. So you went to school in Duluth? Yeah, take... all, all three of my schools are now gone. Actually, all four of my schools are now gone. So Chester Park Elementary School, oh, you, uh, Woodland oh. Middle School is now Bluestone Lofts, and uh, Central High School, I think, just got torn down. And then McNally Smith College of Music actually shut down, too. So yeah, I, re- I think I'm bad luck. I, well, it might not all be you. There might be other factors. Could be you, but there are probably other factors as well. All right, so you went to Central. Did you graduate from Central? Central High School in 2006, and then I took a year off to figure things out. Uh, believe it or not, Very music cool. was not my first uh, career choice. I think being a professional skier was going to be my, pr- really? my first career choice, and that uh, did not work out so, so well. So, okay, so let's back up a little. So you were skiing. Were you skiing at, at Chester oh, or yeah. Spirit? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. such a cool neighborhood ski area. Yeah, Chester, Chester, it's just Spirit, so cool. Lutzen and Giants. Yeah. And all over the place and family trips. We never took uh, like warm weather family trips. We always did cold weather family trips. Right, right, to right. The mountains to go skiing. So. Right. So you wanted to be a skier. So I, I assume <laughs> that you were on the ski team and stuff in high school. Oh, yeah. Well, not so much racing, but more like going off jumps and doing all sorts of crazy Oh, stuff. okay. So you like, yeah, like kind of terrain park type yes, stuff? Yes, that was, the, that was the deal. And then when I found out how tough that is on the body and how competitive that is. Yeah. Also how expensive, you know, living living out in Colorado and Montana. And all right. That. So you were serious though. You were you were actually Yeah, that was the plan after high school. I didn't I didn't pursue further education. I didn't even go to her colleges or anything like that. I was just gonna go skiing and And so where did you where did you after high school where did you sort of go to, to I spent some time skiing? out in Colorado and Montana and hanging around and even came back to Minnesota and all that and I think it was six to eight months, maybe a year after high school that I it kind of dawned on me like I need to do something what am, what am I passionate about and that's when I kind of realized that music was like the positive force in my right. life you know the one thing that had always been consistently posit- so, positive and that I was good at and I also started playing guitar around that time in like 2007 so what did you so you said music was always part of your life were you before you got your guitar were you oh, playing yes. other I, instruments I, I started on piano okay I was real young my parents have a beautiful piano in their house and then I switched to violin wow and then switched to viola and, and all the other stringed instruments in the orchestra. So that 
that's I, I played in orchestra with Ian, the bass player from Black River Review and Trace. Also, he he played double bass in the orchestra, and I played vi- okay, violin. Okay, so he went viola. to high school with you. Yeah, he's two two years younger than me. Okay, so you were skiing, you were doing music, the skiing. You were out in Colorado. What what were you kind? Of, I'm just curious because my kids kind of they they like the terrain parks too. I, it just is nuts to me. I'm scared oh, yeah. enough just skiing in the snow, much oh, yeah. less trying to jump on a box or a pipe or something like that. I you've seen me on a pipe and skis. It's because I've taken a terrible turn. What was your kind of specialty? What did you focus on? Oh, just on? going off jumps and doing flips. Wow. Been having wow. a great time doing it. Holy cow. Yeah, I was either, I, I feel like uh, high school, I was, either, I was either skiing or in the orchestra room. That was, I mean, I would eat lunch in the orchestra room every day, practice a lot. I really enjoyed that. So, or I was in the theater too. I kind of also was in the Oh, theater. really? Wow. Doing, doing audio and lighting in the theater. I was not a very oh, good actor. Okay. So, it's kinda, so, yeah, the whole so music, you've already developed thing. some real passions in high school. A lot of people don't do that, like me, you know? And so you're already doing a lot of music. If you finally decide that skiing's probably not going to be a good one for a, a long career, and especially the kind of that you were doing, doing flips and stuff. So you decide sort of to, to, to maybe focus on music. So this is uh, your sort of year, your gap year they used to call ga- it. Was, yeah. It was a heck of a gap year. Yeah, I had a, fun. yeah I, had a, I had a gap year, and then I had another gap year that turned out to be three years uh, between my sophomore and <laughs> junior year in college but that's another that's another thing so uh anyway you're uh you're now you're you're picking up the guitar so yeah someone certain... someone taught me guitar you know in that gap year someone handed me a guitar and showed me some chords i think ian might have helped with that too because ian is a great guitar player in addition to bass player and, and i just started i just fell in love you know as violin was like really cool and orchestra's cool but rock and roll is even cooler it's but... great to have a grounding and all that stuff yeah. right the classical and and the rock and roll so now you're back into Duluth. You came back in Duluth, and and uh, we're talking what time? This would be like 2007, something yeah. like that. And and no, you know, I think I maybe applied to one other college, and I applied to McNally Smith, and went and checked out their facility. And I mean, it's just incredible school and program, and, and all of that stuff. So the path I, I chose was a Bachelor of Arts in Music Business because they're a music school and accredited as a music school. I had to I had to what did I do? Keyboard non major. Uh, I had to take guitar lessons. I had to perform in ensembles. I think I. I got out of like a serious history class by taking choir one semester. Oh, cool though. But that's, that's, that's pretty cool. And yeah, it was great. And then one of the other things we had to do, that I mentioned was an ensemble. So it's where you, for an entire semester, once a week, you get together with a group of other students and an instructor and you choose your genre. And then you have a performance out like at, I think it was Minnesota Music Cafe in St. Paul at the end of the semester, you get on stage and perform. And so I wanted to do a bluegrass ensemble. Really? Now I'm going to just stop you there. Why bluegrass? I, I feel like all the other ones are like, like rock and roll, jazz, like there's all these other genres that I couldn't really see myself performing. But, but I wasn't al- a performer at this point. Had you already had an interest in bluegrass? I guess that's oh, what yeah. I'm like. Okay, yes. so so that was another genre that you had already dabbled in. And you're, time, you're yeah. playing instruments, violin and, and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I was playing instruments, trans- but never like on a stage. Right. It was always house parties and jamming and, and just playing other than classical. You know, I played on lots of stages classically, uh, but guitar never played on stage with a guitar. Right. So that was kind of broke the ice with that. And McNally Smith didn't have an instructor uh, that could teach a bluegrass ensemble. So they actually called up Phil Nussbaum, who's the bluegrass, what's it called? Bluegrass Review? Yeah, Bluegrass Review. He He's a radio host in the Twin Cities that does a nationally syndicated bluegrass program. Oh, cool, cool. And he's on the radio every every week. Wow. All over the country. Wow. And he's a great banjo player, fantastic banjo player. He also lives in the Highland Park neighborhood of St. Paul. And he came in to, as an adjunct to lead this ensemble. So I got oh, to really? with him every week. It's very, very fun. And so 
what were you playing in this ensemble? Uh, one semester. Well, I had, I did like three semesters of it because it was a blast. One semester I played guitar. Another semester. So I even played... though you had just learned guitar, yeah, you were already playing guitar. Yeah. Okay. Well, I played music. On stage. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I played music my whole life. When my orchestra directors always said a string is a string is a string is a string. I took that and just how's this thing tuned? All right, let's go. So I think I played mandolin another semester, and then I played um, upright bass another semester for that bluegrass ensemble. Oh, fun, fun. So okay, so you're doing uh, this bluegrass ensemble, and I assume now you're really getting into bluegrass at this point, right? You're I don't know if maybe it's focusing too too strong a word. I would say focusing, yeah. yeah. And I think it helped that the Twin Cities had such a great and has such a great kind of bluegrass and folk and Americana music scene. Right. All sorts of bands from the Twin Cities that I was working with, running sound for, hanging out with. So, yeah, so but what... Not, but not playing in. I was never like a musician. Other than what you were doing in your ensemble at, at college, you were really learning other aspects of the music business, yes. right? So you were doing lighting and for... Uh, yeah, for audio, various... audio and lighting. Um, and, you know, the small business management focus was like on artist management and venue management. You know, how to, how to manage a band, how to run a night club how to book and promote shows right uh accounting was just like a regular accounting class but kind of has to be yeah yeah we had like tour management class and we had um all sorts of different stuff you know almost like a business degree but that's focused on music when did you graduate four years after 2007 so like 2011 something like that yeah 2010 what was i doing yeah timeline's hard but i think it was around 2009 10 11 and i what happened at mcnally smith was great i learned that it's it's about the connections that you make with people and, and networking it's not what you know it's who you know after my right. first semester Steve McClellan is a guy that kind of mentored me and he was he was the booking agent and manager at uh, First Avenue nightclub for many many years he was an adjunct professor that taught a bunch of different classes and just it was incredible to learn from him he got me an internship after my first semester doing audio and lighting at a local club from there I was running sound five nights a week meeting all sorts of bands I met a where band. were you running sound at I was the... at, called the Acadia cafe on Acadia. the corner of Cedar and Riverside okay okay right there and so I, I was an intern and then they hired me on and I ended up meeting a band that I would then manage for two and a half, three years, manage and tour manage and travel all over the country. Wow, what was the name of that uh, band? That band was called A Night in the Box. Night in the Box. A Night in the Box, yeah. So I met them at Acadia Cafe. So it's just, you can see like, had a professor, got an internship, yeah. started working, met right. a ton of bands, got hired by one of the bands to right, run sound right. for them and then started booking them and managing them. And, and then after that, jumped into a whole bunch of, you know, that post-college, it's almost like graduate. I don't really remember graduating didn't like mark the beginning of my career in music business it was kind of almost like college faded out and the career faded in it was a it was a very cool I remember right. having to uh not take like a professional leave of absence but just like email all my professors and say hey I got hired to go on this tour out to the west coast for three weeks I need to miss three weeks of school so I can go right do this tour that's pretty cool and they and, said and that's I, and great said, well, you guys must have taught me well because I'm getting yeah. hired I'm, yeah. going, I'm going out so the professors taught you well you're getting all these gigs for sound and lighting now and uh at some point you also you also graduate so you're doing sound and lighting and are you are you still at that point sort of still based in the twin cities yeah yep okay. still still living in in st paul minneapolis kind of half and half minneapolis spent a few years in minneapolis a few years in st paul sure where whereabouts uh, over in st paul kind of the highland highland park neighborhood sure i uh, ran off in between syndicate and griggs if you know oh, the yeah, neighborhood oh, yeah very much and then so. uh and then when we found a great place over in the seward neighborhood of minneapolis oh, yeah. 24th and 24th kind oh, of right, yeah. by, right by pizza luce yeah uh, over Speak. in seward and you walk to the seward co-op walk to the light rail and it's just a, and walk to the west bank kind of the west bank music scene was super cool in minneapolis and that's where i kind of oh kind yeah of came well, up it, you know 21 years old hanging out on the west bank running sound and, and see I, those were my haunts way before you were born but not not only
only Cedar Riverside because there were a bunch of great bars and great music bars to the 400 Club. You mentioned 26 and 26. There used to be a great bar there. It was called Duffy's for a long, long time. And all the bands that I used to go see from the suburbs to to uh, the Phones, the Flaminos, all these bands that were back in the day, uh, like I say, well before you were born. Uh, but anyway, the music scene was as strong and it's nice to hear it's still, uh, it's still strong there. Uh, but getting back to what you were doing after you graduated from college, you're still um, you're still doing sound, lighting, managing bands. Were there any particular bands that you suddenly you were you were now so busy managing you couldn't really work on other? other yeah, gigs? I think two two bands in particular. One of them is called Pretty Sandstone. They're great. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Bluegrass and traditional. Band, so I love that name. I was there. I was their original, their first ever tour manager. So the first time they ever said, really? All right, we're making enough money, we can hire two managers. So I hopped on the road with them. I was also roommates at the time with the fiddle player, mandolin player, Nate Sipe. Can you just give me the what's the derivation of that name? Pert near Sandstone? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, what is it? If you know, yeah. If you don't know, I'm yeah. Gonna, I would. I'll, I guess we'll have to have them we'll on. Follow. Yeah, so. let's get those guys. On they're, just, actually, they're actually playing uh, in January, I think, at the uh, the Cedar Lounge over in Superior, Wisconsin. So. Oh, oh, cool. Those guys are great. Yeah, I spent a lot of time with those guys on the road. And then the other band I worked for as a tour manager uh, was a band called the Big Woo. They're like a, yeah. a jam band. Yeah, a jam band of many, many years. I mean, these guys, uh, I think, thirty years running. And so it's funny being you know twenty two years old. Uh, wow. running, running sound for a band. People come up and say, "Do you remember these guys in the '90s?" And I was like, "Yeah, I was in middle school. Yeah. I was in elementary school. I don't know." Yeah. Um, so yeah, actually, I traveled all around the country with those guys. I flew up to Alaska and did a tour with those guys. Oh, really? Uh, many, Very many, cool. many shows with them as a tour manager and doing audio. And so was, roughly, what years were that? Were that or year was that? That'd be like 2009, 10, okay. 11, 12, 13. I mean, the the timeline's tough for me sure. on that. And a lot, some of that was after I had moved back up to Duluth. I was still either fly out of Duluth or drive down to the Twin Cities and hop in the van with those guys. Uh, another band I toured with is a band called Four on the Floor, a rock and roll band from the Twin Cities. I think I hopped in the van with them and did some, had some fun times with those guys out to the Pacific Northwest and down to Nashville and all around the Midwest with those guys. So to Colorado with those, you know, that Pacific Northwest by way of Colorado with those sure, guys. Super sure. fun and great band, high energy. Um, I worked a little bit for a guy called Heatbox. He's like a one-man one man beatboxing guy. He sets up a loop pedal and beatboxes and sings and plays ukulele. And really? Super entertaining. We had a really fun tour together down to um, like Kentucky. We did some, a bunch of colleges down 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 that way. We were down in Corbin, Kentucky, the birthplace of KFC, and <laughs> uh, and didn't realize it was a dry uh, dry county. Oh, we interesting. Don't, we don't, I don't know what that is up in Minnesota. Right, Wisconsin. right. We don't right. have dry counties no, up here. Definitely just, not in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was super fun. And the colleges were like, please don't mention uh, any of these topics in your performance. You know, the, really? Yeah, it was, it was wow. super interesting. Wow, really? Yeah, it was a very interesting uh, huh. uh, time getting to see that part of the country with him. And, and it, he's just one guy, so we hopped in a car. And yeah. I think we did like 10 or 11 states. Very cool. At some point, you make your way up to Duluth, back up to Duluth, right? Yeah, the, I, I feel like the moving back to Duluth also kind of marked the start of me not wanting to be behind a soundboard but on stage all right so that's kind of a great uh, a great uh, jumping off point because we're gonna uh, we're about ready to take a break so I think we're gonna take a break and uh, we're, we're gonna hear from our sponsor Lake Superior Medical Equipment and then we're gonna come right back and uh, and talk about Duluth Lake Superior Medical Equipment is proud to announce some big news. They have opened two brand new locations. Nearly eight months after the fire destroyed their Duluth store and warehouse, the team at Lake Superior Medical Equipment has bounced back bigger and better than ever with a new storefront at... 
4730 Mike Kalaleo Drive in Duluth. The new store is located in the lower level of the Bullion Center with more parking and a great new layout. That's not all. Lake Superior Medical Equipment has also moved their store in Cloquet. Customers can now shop at their brand new location at 907 Stanley Avenue, just a few doors down from their old store. Something that hasn't changed? The amazing customer service you have come to expect from Lake Superior Medical Equipment. Our friendly staff is ready and waiting to help you find everything you need in our two brand new locations in Duluth and Cloquet. Stop in and see the friendly staff at Lake Superior Medical Equipment today. Have a question? Give them a call at 218-727-0600 or visit them online at lsmedequip.com. In the meantime, keep up with everything happening at Lake Superior Medical Equipment on social media. Just search for Lake Superior Medical Equipment on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. All right. We are back with Tim Lutgeb uh, of the band Tres Osos, but also uh, many other uh, interesting tidbits that we're learning about uh, about Tim's life. So, Tim, we talked about your upbringing before the break and, and uh, going to uh, music school and, and starting to manage and do sound for a lot of uh, for different bands. But uh, where we left off, you had just s- sort of moved back to Duluth. And I think that was what, maybe 2012? Somewhere in there. Yeah. So what <laughs> brought you back to Duluth? Um, so housing issue in, in Minneapolis. I had like a, a ginormous Alaskan Malamute dog. And that's hard to find places to rent with yes. a giant dog. And just kind of a, you know, my my girlfriend at the time and I were didn't really have anything tying us down in the Twin Cities. And I was sitting in my backyard in a sewered neighborhood and had a beautiful backyard and chickens in a garden and all that. And I could all I could hear was like just 94, just like the highway. Right. And just kind of made me miss Duluth. I think I took Duluth for granted growing up. And when I would come back and visit after I turned 21, I'd be downtown Duluth, see all my friends, uh, great music scene going on. Right. At right. That time up here and still today a uh, bunch of friends in the music scene bunch of friends in the service industry it was just it was super fun and also realizing that you know I'd come back and visit and there'd be a whole crop of new people hanging out with my friends uh, from UMD and College of Saints Alaska and UWS all of a sudden there's all, all these new people in my friend group you know that are friends of friends it, was, it made me look at Duluth in a little bit different lights and then after eventually moving back it was like oh my gosh I can drive up to Island Lake or Fish Lake and I'm 20 minutes away from from home, but I'm in a canoe on the water. Right. Feels... So you're you're in, in and you're a pretty avid fisherman. Yeah, I mean just out just outdoors and just, yeah, just paddling out, and yeah, yeah, fishing and disc golf and golfing and right. biking and skiing and just love being outdoors. Uh, fishing's a, a more recent hobby of mine, I think, but I've always fished, just not this enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> so this is also around the time that you were sort of thinking that uh, you wanted to be maybe in a different different side of the music business different from, side of the stage yeah yeah beyond the stage instead of uh running sound behind and, the soundboard. and by the way were you were you still managing and doing audio and stuff for for yes. bands when you moved up here yeah and so i would spend a lot of time down there working and and uh kind of back and forth you know home base was duluth but also still still down in the twin cities a whole bunch right so now you're in um you're you're in duluth maybe doing some commuting back in the cities but you're also suddenly deciding that 
that uh, I guess not suddenly, maybe more of an evolution that you wanted to be on. That's As you say, the other gradual. side of the, yeah, the stage. And so um, when you started deciding that, what what was your uh, what was your plan to start uh, being on the other side of the stage? Well, yes, I met the guys in Black River Review through uh, Trace Oso's bass player Ian, who they had hired to play bass, and a guy you went to high school with. Yeah, guy, I've I've known him since he was five years old. Right, right, right. Pretty much. He, so Ian's my younger brother's best friend and best oh, man. Okay. They're both best men in each other's weddings. Oh, so. fun, fun. Uh, Ian was played with, with those guys, and so you know, friend of a friend, we started hanging out. Um, I didn't play banjo at the time. I played guitar and mandolin and bass and violin and all this other stuff, but they didn't have a banjo player, so I had a banjo. I just needed to figure out how to play it well. So yeah, joined joined uh, Black River Review, and and really, I mean, it was we that band has played so much and all over the country up in Alaska. Right. We've gone on tour in Alaska twice now. Wow. We've got three studio records and a live record, uh, streams and radio play all over the world. Very successful third studio album. So, so. when did you start, when did you kind of join that band? Because it was already a band, right? So yeah. so when did you when did you actually join it? 10 years ago, maybe? Yeah, that would, that, so, so pretty soon after you moved back to Duluth. Yeah, pretty soon after. I think the first Black of Review record came out in 2012 or 2013. I didn't play on, the, on their first record. I played on the second record and the third record and the live record. So that makes sense. Somewhere yeah. around there. Yeah, 2013-ish. Cool. We can just cool. We can just say that. So so now you've got uh, you you're playing a lot with Black River Review. Playing a ton of shows with Black River Review and kind of prioritizing that over going and touring with other folks or running sounds for other folks. I'll still do you know bigger events and bigger things like that, but Black River Review is definitely the the priority. Kind of switch from that, which is nice. It's it's fun fun to travel around. Right, and, right, and yeah, yeah, and, and play and, a bunch and, of shows. And play because you would travel a lot with bands, but on the other side, I'm no stranger to being in a van. Yeah. Before yeah. I joined Black River Review, it's just now I got to hang out and play music, right? And have fun, right? Um, instead of being the manager, yeah, <laughs> tour manager, yeah. So, so you are doing that, and you're slowly disentangling yourself from the the, the management, yeah, the and music, sound and, and lighting scene, all that stuff. I'm still slowly disentangling myself from that. So you're still doing some of that. I still today. do that stuff. Yeah, I still sometimes work for the local IATSE Stagehand Union. I still do audio and lighting for events and festivals and stuff it's not my main source of income or my priority right anymore right i still enjoy it i think i was doing it so much that it was a job and and now i when i get to do it it's just it's fun again to right just run sound for bands and do lighting and stagehand work and, and help other bands figure out the business side of things too i mean i've been doing the business side of things for 14 years 15 years yeah, yeah. something like Holy that cow. Dude, yeah the business side of yeah. uh, music which is super you know musicians and artists are uh it's like the left brain right brain type of thing right you know there's the artistic and then there's the the spreadsheet side yeah, of things and but so you've that, got both well that's what i learned in, in business school is is how to how to manage bands how to help artists yeah. create art how to monetize art how to how to do all that so that was super fun but i also really enjoy playing music too. yeah I got well obviously so now you've been you've been playing music for almost professionally for almost 10 years if you kind of started in 2013 so you're with the black river review you're here today in a bent paddle brewing golf shirt for for lack of a better term quarter zip so at some point you also started at bent paddle yeah so music and beer kind of go hand in hand they do they match made in heaven bluegrass and country um and i've always kind of worked with breweries uh, whether it's for sponsorships or events and all that stuff i kind of got out of music and audio and lighting being my main source of income probably like five or six years ago now and switched to a a sales kind of more of a sales role and when i was booking bands you're selling the 
band to the bar. You're convincing right. a bar to book the band. It's, right. it's very sales related. But so yeah, I sold t-shirts for a little bit for Duluth Screen Printing Company. And that was a super huge learning curve. Just how do my skills from the music world translate to sales? And then I uh, worked at Duluth Cider for a couple of years. Sure. As their sales manager. And a then podcast, yeah. another oh, podcast yeah. guest. Oh yes. yeah, Jake and Valerie. Yeah. And then uh, two years ago, I started at Bent Paddle Brewing Company doing sales officially for them. I had been doing music stuff with them for the last 10 years, helping them yeah. with concerts and events and from their festiversary concerts. So it's a weird transition. So now now sales is kind of like my full-time income and then music is just extra money, fun. Yeah. Fun money. Well, and and uh, you're still with Black River Review? Yeah, Black River Review is still playing. Uh, COVID kind of slowed us down a little bit. And, you know, kind of, slowed I think in 2017, way. we played about 100 shows. Wow. Um, 20, 2018, we played about 95 shows. And 2019, we played about 90 shows. So wow. pretty close to 300 shows in, in three years. Yeah, that's and then busy. 2020 happened and we had a whole bunch of plans and all sorts of stuff cooking and kind of shut her down. I also had a second child in 2020. Oh, wow. So Congratulations. That's, that's fun. Well, uh, we uh, we want to talk about uh, Trace Oso. Yeah, so let's there's, get to there's, it. So why don't you just tell us how that how that happened? So how Trace Oso's happened. I've actually known Nicholas for many years. I used to book the first band he was in when he was 21 years old called Too Many Banjos. He didn't know that I <laughs> booked his band because I was the one writing the contracts and sitting behind a computer and he was the one out playing shows on the road. Interesting. Um, let's circle back. Um, mandolin player for Black River Review had some other stuff going on and so we needed somebody to fill in so we called Nick up and I had known Nick from his work in Borderstone his kind of gospel bluegrass band that he was in um, and Nick hopped on stage with us in Black River Review and, and just crushed it and it was kind of always you know hey we're, we're hiring you to come and fill this role play mandolin right. play mandolin real well and, and, and we'll pay you um, and I think Ian, Nick and I were hanging out after band practice or something and Nick was just like do you guys want to hang out and just like be friends you know outside of music and I was like I was like yeah man that's I get it making friends <laughs> making friends is hard as an adult right yeah uh, and just kind of a mutual um, interests of like fishing and, and eating obviously we're three, three yeah. larger dudes we're yeah. three bears so we get together and like barbecue grill out play music have some beers hang out um, when the fishing thing happened after I played a show up on Lake Vermilion and before the show Ian and Nick were fishing and I hadn't really fished much uh, until my daughter learned to fish at the cabin summer cabin and she said dad do you want to go fishing i was like yep let's go i bought a bought a whole bunch of fishing stuff got right back into it and so those guys yeah we, we like went fishing before the show and then we played a show and it's it super fun so that's kind of how ian nick and i got together i've been i've been friends with ian for, i don't know 20 right right lots of years so, but ian, nick that's kind of how our friendship with nick formed was just like when when or what about did that happen was it, uh, not like last summer summer before oh, okay you know nick had okay. been filling in in black or review here and there occasionally and, and so that's what happened and so that's you know ian nick and i hung out we played some music barbecue go fishing whatever just hang out and we were doing some bluegrass jams down at duluth cider on their outdoor stage and jake from duluth cider said well what, what are you guys called and i was like uh just put tim ian and nick i don't know like <laughs> so i think we were like the tim ian and nick band or something like that we didn't have a name <laughs> <laughs> Played some shows. Just, what do we call you? I don't know. Uh, and then Ian proposed Trace Osos, the three bears, and it had a nice ring to it. And I said, there it yeah. is. Naming stuff is hard. Yeah. So so um, what made you decide to call it Trace Osos other than the th rather than the three bears? I don't know. I feel like three bears doesn't have a good ring to yeah. it. Yeah. Well, 
listen, in the interest of full disclosure, we have to say that Nick uh, is a member of the Lake Superior Medical Equipment family. He's uh, he's uh, one of our uh, key, uh, definitely very key uh, employees here, and uh, we love him here. And uh, we've, uh, through that, have, have gone out to see uh, Nick perform with Trey Zosos and obviously seen you as well. But uh, here we actually refer to uh, refer to Nick as Nicholas because we already had a Nick here. So Nick, Nick really? to all of us is Nicholas, although I think a lot of people call him Yeah, I don't know too. what to call him either. I call him Nick. I call him <laughs> yeah, Nicholas. Yeah. Nickster. <laughs> yeah. Nickster for casual. But anyway, um, but he's obviously an extremely talented musician. Yeah. So when, the, you know, when this band got together, it's it's funny telling people about this band. You know, we're, we're a new band, but, um, you know, growing up, Ian and I were both in orchestra performing hundreds of times. There he is. Nick. <laughs> Ian, Ian and I were in orchestra and had performed on stage hundreds of times. In here if he wants. But. Um, and then, you know, Black River Review in, in eight to ten years probably played a thousand shows. Wow. And then Nicholas's career, too, on mandolin, he, Nick's probably had about a thousand shows, too. So between the three of us, we have about 3,000 shows under our belt. We just had to pick this. I think the hardest part was picking the songs. And once we had the songs, it's like, all right, one, two, three, go. And now it's been super fun just kind of rounding out the sound and polishing things up and adding, you know, electric guitar, fiddle, drums. The one thing I will say about the name Trey Sosos, three bears, is that we kind of pigeonholed ourselves as a trio. Right, so, right. You know, it's after you already got the Facebook name and the domain name, it's hard to rebrand. So it's, we'll, we'll figure that out eventually. Mucho Osos, like the many bears. Right, right, right. But you got to get another kind of burly guy with a beard, though. That's, I mean, that's, yeah, that's all. That's the entire band. That's, just that's burly guys a, with beards. That's so not fun. hard and dilute. No, that's everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so this is uh, so this is really cool. Talk a little bit about uh, about the music you guys play. If, if if people are listening to this podcast and they haven't seen Trace Oso, what are they what are they likely to hear? Yeah, I'm I'm pulling up the set list right now. I can tell you guys. I can give you a little rundown. So we don't have very many originals. I don't feel like we're there yet, but soon. Ian, Ian, Nick, and I all write music. And we just it's you know when you're getting off the ground quick, right? Just play covers. Um, That's right. Yeah, Work also, for the Beatles. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of like gospel country and bluegrass is kind of the the three main genres nick kind of comes from that gospel bluegrass background ricky skaggs background um and ian and i've been playing bluegrass music together through black river review which is like bluegrass americana um and then the country thing just kind of came about because it's like so dang fun to play some of these right country music covers. right now i will say the last the the last time i saw you um was during the homegrown festival and you guys all got on stage you were kind of wearing i don't we know were in what track to, baby yeah, blue track yeah suits. you're kind of like uh like uh Run DMC meets oh, yeah. bluegrass. Yeah, that, yeah. that was a, that yeah. was an, that, that was a costume. I also feel like the stage costume thing just helps you get outside of your head. Just like, yeah. oh, like yeah. this is a performance. I'm wearing a costume. I'm not right. I'm not Tim right now. I'm some, you know I'm a bear or something. So uh, that was super fun. But yeah, all sorts of new country, old country, gospel, bluegrass. Right. I mean, we could really we could play anything. That's the fun part about this group is it's Ian and Nick are total pros and and could learn anything. Yeah. throw anything well, at well, them. It sounds like you are too. It sounds. I'll like trying right. yeah i'm trying yeah do my best so now you've got this you still have black river review you have trace osos do you even have time to work at bent paddle anymore I mean, oh you're, yeah you're a busy guy yeah. just like nick has a day job i got a day yeah. job too yeah bent paddle is uh very flexible and and loves that i play music we play music yeah. at a lot of bars that's all bent paddle beer so it kind of kind of works out for me on 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 two levels um and then yeah one of the owners of bent paddle colin mullen is 
a ripping tele guitar player. He's got all the hot country licks, so he's going to be playing with us. Cool. In the band, when he has time, he owns a brewery and has a has a uh, family as well. So, which brewery does he own? Uh, ben Paddle Brewing Company. Oh, 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 Ben, pa- oh, Ben Paddle. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also one of my four bosses. Oh, that's funny. During the that's day, funny. Ben night. Paddle was another podcast yeah. guest early on. Yeah, so it all it all ties oh, together. That's so fun. It, it all it all works out, and I think I think Ben Paddle understands that it's not a nine to five. It's like yeah. Oh, my whole life is is bent paddle and music and they work together and and i'm never off stage i'm never not working see don't you think that's one of just the great things about duluth because we've talked to a lot of uh, entrepreneurs people have opened breweries people have opened restaurants we've also had other musicians on here there's just such a supportive element here in duluth if whether you were opening a brewery the other brewers yeah they're your competition but they're all they also help each other's out same with same same with, same with the music yeah. scene yeah. there's i mean you mentioned trampled by turtles and those guys have been at it for 20 plus years right. I, I joked that blacker review lives in their shadow but those guys are great friends and mentors and really look up to them charlie parr is another one i've worked with charlie a whole bunch yeah um he's, and he, he's, a, he's, he's a great friend and i i got to do a show with him recently at the depot theater but yeah so Char- maybe, maybe. charlie did it charlie did a fundraiser for them and i got to do sound and lights for charlie's manager called me up and asked me to do sound and lights for him and it, it was such a treat working with him i got to do a during covid i did a live stream for charlie so you did a, a, a benefit with Charlie for Wildwoods. Yeah, and, and Charlie's a great friend and mentor in the music scene, and just seeing him succeed is, is so awesome. It's a very, everyone looks out for each other. It's um, co-opetition, right. rising tide exactly. type of thing. Well, that, that's 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 just the way it is too in the in the brewery restaurant business around here. Everyone seems to to get along and We're support each other. And you know what you we we had Charlie Parr on this podcast, and he was just so gracious and such a humble guy. But just what a phenomenal artist he is. Travels and, the world playing yeah. guitar. Insane. Yeah, no I mean, kidding. In, incredible. Yeah, the Duluth music music scene is great, and and I feel like um, that's what inspired Trace also too. Is like, hey, you guys want to go play some shows? You want to do some stuff when Black Review is not playing? Right, busy schedule. I think two or three shows a month. It adds up though. Like ten shows a month is 120 shows a year. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of dates. Yeah. So it it all adds up, and 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 it's all fun. I don't think we'll ever go back to having music be our our day jobs. But it's something really, really fun to do. Call it like a dad's dad's weekend out. Right. Right. I tell you, it's it's so fun. I hope uh, hope everyone gets a chance to come out and see you guys because I know you're you're fairly well known here in Duluth. But uh, for people who are listening to this podcast and maybe aren't from Duluth and haven't had a chance to see these guys, they're they're just they're fabulous and, and just another another great uh, asset of this uh, this community that uh, does seem to support uh, its musicians so well. So what do you got? What what's kind of on tap? What uh, kind of sh- shows? Oh, what's your calendar look like? So in January we got we're playing um, Castle Danger, which is super fun. Oh, it's somebody yeah. that works for Ben Paddle. It's super Super fun to go up to Castle Danger and check out what they got going on. Yeah, Island Lake Inn on the thirteenth, oh, sure. January thirteenth. Yeah, another uh, another full disclosure, Yvonne. Uh, that's that's kind of her other uh, gig. It's, it all ties uh, together. Is, yeah. uh, we're doing we're going back out to McGregor too. McGregor's been a super fun area for us to play out in Big Sandy Lake. I also sell beer out there, so it ties oh, nice. into that. Um, we're talking about maybe doing some pizza luce Sunday morning brunches. Oh man, they've got a great brunch Bloody there. Mary that would bars, be fa- yeah Sunday morning brunch, and then we 
play we we bust out the jesus songs for that we do the gospel tunes oh, for nice. that um and it's just a great you know it's like uh, i think we play like nine to noon or nine to one or something and we play three sets and we eat brunch in between we have yeah. bloody marys and it's very casual it's not like a i think we even sat down last time i think we sit down when we play that show we just kind of chill out and that's a great so we're still working on on booking some of those and what else do we got going on this winter i mean as much ice fishing as we can do if we can go ice fishing so the yeah. whole fishing and picking thing good luck it's uh, been go, a, yeah so the fishing and pitch picking thing. let's and go picking. let's go back to that just quickly because that's kind of become a staple for you right you like to fish before your shows we like to fish before the shows and it's it's become you, know, you got branding fishing and picking all right that's a drone shot of us all we're all wearing matching bent paddle wow this is a great drone shot and drinking bent paddle beers in front very, of a fish house very and, cool now where is where is that fish house that fish house is on lake Minnewawa in mcgregor and it's right across the street from the bar that we we could see the bar we're going to play at later that oh, night fun. from the lake so fun we guys fish all day and we play music all night how was and the fishing fishing was okay that day it was yeah. really really cold it was that cold negative 20 degree cold snap Whew. well at least you don't have to worry about thin ice <laughs> no no we drove we drove the trucks out on the lake yeah that which was incredible yeah. um yeah we even even during the summer, like last summer, we got a chance to play up on uh, Lake Keptogama, uh, Arrowhead Lodge up there, and they let us park our boats at the lodge, and we went out fishing all day out nice. on the lake, came back, showered up, and then went on stage and played nice. music right by the lake. So fishing and picking. We like to fish. Nice. That's, we like to play music. That's very cool. Tim, uh, believe it or not, we are uh, just about out of time. Uh, but before uh, before you go, I think I already know the answer to this, but because we're the For the Love of Duluth podcast, we always like to ask people what they like to do in Duluth when they're not doing well whatever it is that got them to this podcast so uh, I think I know what your answer is going to be but what do you like to do in Duluth when you're not uh, picking or uh, or or marketing uh, uh, frosty beverages yeah so I have I have a uh, a wife and a daughter and a son a six-year-old and a three-year-old and so a lot of what I do in Duluth is enjoying Duluth and sharing my love for the outdoors with those guys also um, community service is a big part of my life i'm the president of skyline rotary club and then so just kind of giving back to the community and making sure that my my kids will have a great community to grow up in is, is a big part of what i enjoy doing with my time and I, i'm also involved with the chamber of commerce fuse young professionals kind of making sure that the uh the future of business in duluth is strong and so that's been super fun i think that's it and obviously fishing i mean we talked yeah. about this i, I love i love to fish well i tell you what uh given those interests and given your uh your love of performing music and uh working in the frosty beverage industry i can't think of a better place for you than duluth and uh, duluth is uh, extremely lucky to have you and uh, also to have uh, trace osos and please if you're listening to this podcast uh, and like what you hear go out and hear trace osos uh, perform live thank you so much tim really appreciate it yeah thanks for having me Thanks for listening to another episode of For the Love of Duluth. Season 1, 2, and 3 are available now wherever you get your podcasts. All you have to do is search for For the Love of Duluth. Have a minute to spare? Leave a five-star review and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. We hope you are loving Season 4 so far. We'll see you next time for another brand new episode of For the Love of Duluth.